This is bad. Zach, is that you in the back back there? Yep, that's your, that's your brother. The other night he was back there. I could barely see his head above the pew. It feels so good to see somebody my height. I am so glad. I really am. Uh, glad to be back tonight. Get your Bible. This sounds a little loud. It may not be. Is it uncomfortable for anybody else? Is everybody all right? Can you, can you hear okay? All right, if it gets too loud, tell somebody in the back to turn it down, okay? Um, all right. Turn in your Bible, if you will, uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have some visitors here tonight. I'm glad to see all of you. And uh, some from a church that I used to pastor, and I thought, that's rare. Uh, <laughs> they followed me. Uh, good to have them here, though. I'm glad all of you are here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want to begin reading in just a moment in verse 6. Several people have asked me already about my eye uh, exam today. I go back in two weeks, we're going to talk to the surgeons and I'll get another cornea. Um, so I already see through dead people, that'll be the third cornea, so now I'll see through a crowd. I think it's great, I should have good vision before it's all over with. Uh, keep praying for me, I need to get this done before I renew my license in October. Uh, either that or the deacons are just going to have to drive me everywhere because I can't take Kathy's driving. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. She asked me tonight at dinner, can you believe this? Y'all don't feel sorry for her. She asked me tonight at dinner. I, I, I cannot believe she said it. She said, are you going to tell any more funny stories about me tonight? I thought, yeah. <laughs> you mean you're not mad? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, Jim Seaman said, when are you going to turn her loose? I said, no way. <laughs> no way. No way. Uh, all right. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Uh, follow me if you will. I'm going to read through. Verse 18, Paul speaking, he's writing to Timothy, this is some of his last words. In, in my Bible it's entitled Paul's uh, valedictory, he, he knows that he's about to die. He even says as much in these verses, verses 6, 7, and 8, he knows he's about to die. Uh, and he ends in verse 18 by talking about his death and that he's going to be delivered uh, to God's kingdom. Uh, so these are words from a man that uh, it, it realizes that his life is almost over. And when it says it is a, his valedictory, I, I really believe that what we can take from this is Paul is a very thankful and grateful man. Uh, of all the things that he's been through, uh, he doesn't take the time to complain about anybody. He mentions some instances, uh, but he's not, he's not saying it with a sad heart. Uh, so as I read this, just uh, keep in mind that I believe Paul just wants to express to a young pastor in his 40s, uh, to Timothy, uh, that he's thankful for what the Lord has allowed him to go through. Thankful for what uh, God is doing, for what God is going to do. He does mention some difficult times, but, but there's no bitterness. And he's just expressing his grace, his thankfulness to what God is doing. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He knows he's about to die. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He's, he's, he's removing all doubt. Uh, the fight's over for me. There's not going to be another round. Uh, I, I have uh, done all that I can to finish the race. I, I've, I've just about crossed the finish line. I at least see that broad white stripe, and I know that's the finish line. I have kept the faith. Christ saved me. He delivered Paul uh, on the road to Damascus. He, he delivered him. He had a wonderful uh, conversion experience. He was called into the ministry, and Paul is saying, I have kept the faith. I've done what the Lord wants me to do. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will give to me on that day. That is the day that he dies. And also on the day of judgment, when saints are rewarded and blessed for their serving the Lord. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Then he goes into a change of mood. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Now, there is nothing wrong with what he says about these men at this point. He has asked these men to go to different areas. There's absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, uh, we're told in, in different parts of Scripture that some of them are going to receive a love offering and they're going to take it back to Jerusalem. They're doing what the Lord wants them to do. And then he says in verse 11, Only Luke is with me. So get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. He didn't get into all the details, but apparently this man was wicked at heart. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. This is the Paul that prayed for miracles and people were healed. This is the Paul that, that, that prayed that God would uh, touch bodies and he touched bodies. He, he's the Paul that, that preached to crowds that hated him and, and stoned him at one point and whipped him at other points. This is the Paul who normally said, uh, forgive them. And here Paul is saying, may the Lord repay him according to his works. That is a prayer I don't want to be on the receiving end of. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. He doesn't care about the gospel of Jesus Christ. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. That's the forgiving attitude that he has. Nobody stood with me as this man, Alexander the coppersmith, brought false charges. I was left all alone. All of my friends were gone. There was nobody else here. Uh, may it not be charged against them. There's nobody who stood and gave a, a fair testimony about my character. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the heart I believe a heart and a thankful heart of a godly man. Paul could have said a lot of things before he died. I don't know if you've ever wondered what your last words might be. I don't know if you've ever thought about writing something down for, for people to discover. Uh, I've mentioned this to the congregation that I pastor, and I've told Kathy, and she doesn't like it when we have these kind of conversations, but I have a, a manila folder in my uh, closet. It's up high in the closet. It contains my life insurance policy and my DD-214 from when I got out of the service and how to contact the Veterans Administration and, and what to do in case in an event of my death, who to call and how to take care of all the arrangements. And every now and then I'll remind Kathy, there's an envelope up there and I have written on it, in case I die this year, I love you all. And then they can open it up and go through it. I've shown it to Kathy, I've shown it to John, and John's the only one that kind of grins out of it. I'm like... What's this kid looking forward to? I don't have a lot of money. What's he so happy about? But I've also wondered what I would say uh, as I knew I was drawing my last breath. I mean, I thought, you know, will I say something heroic? I mean, when I look up and say, baby, I love you. 
I, I mentioned Horace uh, Britt just the other night, and, and I remember that he, he raised his hands up after he told his wife that he loved her. He raised his hands up and he passed away, and I think he was reaching for heaven. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. I, I wonder if I'm going to do something spiritual. I wonder if I'm going to do something godly. And I also wonder if somebody asked me uh, what I could say before I pass away and write it down, if I would take as much time as Paul did evidently here to write down a praise for his friends and a praise to God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son for all that had happened in his life. If we're going to sum up our life and we're going to say something uh, wonderful, if we're going to tell somebody else what we really think is important in our life, if we're going to express our thanksgiving as godly men and women, what will we say? What will we express? Who will be most important in our life? Uh, who will stand out? Who do we want to make sure they know that we love them? What, what will we say? Paul did something here that I think is an example for all of us. The thankful heart of a godly man. And I want to first establish his character as a godly man. Listen to what Paul says about himself. And he's not trying to brag about this, but this reveals the fact that he is a godly man. Read this with me, if you will, beginning in verse 6. Paul says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And he says, And the time of my departure is at hand. He's literally saying that in my life I have suffered persecution. And even right now I am suffering persecution. He's not complaining. He's just stating the facts that he is being poured out as a drink offering. He is literally going to lay his life down for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he means by a drink offering. He's going to pour his life's blood out on behalf of Jesus Christ. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's saying, I am about to die and I am suffering persecution, but he's not complaining about it. When things go wrong and I our life, we're, we're somewhat different than that. We're, I'm at least wired a little different. When things go wrong in my life, I look for somebody to blame. I look for somebody to complain to or I at least get into a foul mood and wanna, I want to find a place of seclusion and complain to God or complain to myself or at least uh, express my disdain somehow in some way when things don't always go the way that I think they should. And here Paul is literally saying he's suffering persecution and he's not complaining about it. That is a life and the lifestyle of a godly man. And the heart Part of this godly man wants to express thanks to God in the midst of this persecution. He also said that he served consistently. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. And what he's saying is, every time the devil came against me, I stood up against him. Every time somebody persecuted me, I stood up and I proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ has asked me to do, I have been faithful in doing that. I have fought the fight. I have run the race. Now, I can relate to that running the race part. I may or may not have mentioned this to you before, but anyway, I, I grew up, uh, believe it or not, I used to run my mouth. <laughs> and my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law used to say that I had the gift of gab. My own mother said that my mouth would land me in prison. She never thought it would be the pulpit, neither did I. <laughs> but I can tell you I'm more wired for the pulpit than I am prison. <laughs> I don't want anybody to love me in prison, okay? So I, I, I can tell you I'm thankful. Uh, but Paul literally says, I have run the race. And I can relate to that because I would run my mouth as a teenager. And there are one or two things you can do when you run your mouth the way that I did. You can either learn how to fight real well or run real fast. Guess what? <laughs> Land speed records right here. <laughs> Might be little legs, but they can move. And Paul is saying, every time the devil came up against me, I stood up to him. Every time there was persecution, I fought the fight and I ran the race. I did everything God wanted me to do. This godly man is just simply expressing to us that he served on a consistent basis. Nothing stopped him from serving the Lord. Then he also says in the same three verses, 6, 7, and 8, that he knew he was going to be rewarded abundantly. 
It might not come on this earth. In fact, in his own life, uh, he says he suffered more persecution than he did praise. He said sometimes he was so broke he had to make tents and he didn't want to be a burden to the church. And other times he said his own countrymen beat him or stoned him or whipped him and literally left him for dead. Uh, the Bible says Paul expressed clearly that he had a thorn in the flesh and he prayed that God would deliver him from that thorn in the flesh. Some people thought it was a physical ailment. I believe it was wicked men following him from church to church trying to undermine his ministry. And Paul said, God, please deliver me from this. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So Paul knew what it was like to suffer persecution. He never expressed a time when the world said, we are so thankful that you're here, Paul. We're thankful for your ministry. We appreciate what you're doing. God bless you in your efforts. But here as Paul's about to die, a, a godly man expressing thanks, he literally says these words, I know that I'm going to receive the crown of righteousness. And not me only, but to all of those who love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's literally saying, the world might not appreciate me. Nobody else may compliment me. There might not be any pats on the back or any praise, but I'm thankful I could serve the Lord, and I know that I'm going to be rewarded abundantly. And what a godly man. What a godly man. Think about this, men, women alike. How, how much are we so wired that we want our praise now? We want uh, uh, somebody to appreciate what we're doing today. We want our bosses to give us a raise early. We want somebody to say, you're doing a great job no matter what we're doing. If you're playing on a softball field, you want somebody to say that you're a quick runner, that you're a great hitter. You're, you can throw the ball with, with some type of speed. If you sing, as Molly just did, you want somebody to tell you, you did a wonderful job singing and you did a wonderful job singing. Uh, we want to hear these things. We want to be lifted up and complimented. We need those things. We're wired that way. And Paul said, I didn't receive that in this world, but I know that I will be rewarded abundantly someday. That's the thankful heart of a godly man so far. And this establishes him as a godly man. It sets him apart with a faith that is amazing for all of us. Then Paul gets real personal. And I want to give you three things that he says he's truly thankful for. And I, I'm going to lay these out as clearly as I can. First of all, he's very thankful. Oh, well, let's read this for loyal friends. Let me read one verse at a time for you. He says to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. Now Paul's in prison. Paul realizes that he's going to die. And he writes this letter and he says to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. Paul is going to express in three different ways, I believe, that he's thankful for loyal friends. And the first truth about being a loyal friend is right here. He calls upon Timothy. And if you have a loyal friend, there's one characteristic that sets him apart from all the other friends that you think you may have. That is, you can call upon them at any time. You can call on them day or night. You can call them when things are bad. You can call them when things are good. You can laugh with them. You can cry with them. Uh, you can eat with them. You can spend time with them. And if you're separated, you want to see them again. And Paul says he's thankful for loyal friends by simply expressing to Timothy, I need you to come to me quickly. And there's no doubt that Timothy was going to respond. Paul knew that Timothy was a loyal friend. In fact, Paul at one point says that he is his son. Uh, literally, that, that Paul is his spiritual father. He led Timothy to the faith. He led Timothy to Christ. And he mentored him as he went into the ministry. Paul spent a lot of time, many days and years, with this young man, Timothy. And this is a close friend of his, a loyal friend. And the attribute of a loyal friend is you can call on them at any time. They're never too busy to call. I can tell you some things about people even here in the sanctuary that when we needed them most, when my family needed them, we could call and they were there. Never had any doubt. They would stop what they were doing. They would leave work if they had to. They would stop eating if they had to. They would do whatever it took to get to our family if we called them and told them that we had a need. Thank God. 
for loyal friends that you can call on at any time. Amen? They're never too busy to call. It reminds me of what Jesus said. Jesus said that whosoever calls on me shall be saved. We can call on the Lord at any time. It doesn't matter what we're going through. If you say that you don't have any friends on this earth, if you feel like your family's rejected you, you feel like somebody else doesn't care about you, Jesus says, He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Paul was somebody who needed friends from time to time. And Timothy was one of those loyal friends. He said he needed to call upon him. And Timothy was ready to answer. Call upon the Lord Jesus. And he's prepared to answer. Amen. I don't know what you do when certain people call. I know what I do. I, I like modern technology. Maybe y'all don't, but I do. I remember when I was little, we had the phone. You know, I'm going to say this, and some of these, I look back there at Zach, and Zach's going to go, man, that guy is old. Anyway, I remember when our phone hung up on the wall and had that long cord, you know. You used to wrap that cord around your fingers and play with it, you know, twist it up. Got all knotted, and you can only walk a couple feet instead of 20 feet away. You know, I remember those phones. Uh, the, the disadvantage of those phones and a cell phone is they didn't have caller ID. You know where I'm going, don't you? Y'all are laughing because you've done what I'm about to tell you I do, right? Some people call me and I think, I'm sure glad I'm driving because I don't want to answer this call. Why y'all laughing? Y'all done that? Watching TV. Woo, I'm glad this is Family Feud because I don't want to answer that call either. Or, I just don't want to talk to them, so I'm not going to answer. Jesus never does that. I used to sing a song, and I'm not going to sing it now because I didn't sing it well then either. We have a Holy Ghost hotline we can call, and Jesus answers at any time. <laughs> Whenever you need Him, you call upon Him. Paul said, I'm thankful for loyal friends. The first attribute of a loyal friend, you can call on them at any time. They're not too busy. They're always going to be prepared to answer. Also, the second thing, and I'm going to read this to you, as I said, step by step. He said, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. And literally what he says there is, I want you to know that I'm thankful for loyal friends, of which Demas is not one. A loyal friend is somebody who will not pursue the lust of this world. A loyal friend is somebody, I think we need to be careful to, to, to make sure we choose loyal friends who are not more concerned about the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, okay? They're not concerned about the things of this world. They want to do the things that honor God. And what Paul literally says to Timothy is, I would have called upon Demas, but he's not a loyal friend. He left me to pursue the things of this world. He's living a life of debauchery or evil, whatever it may be. It might just be, he's He's not doing anything sinful, but he abandoned Paul. He said, I can't take this. I'm leaving and I'm going. But he says specifically he's pursuing the lust of this world. What does that mean other than he's doing something evil? We need to be careful when we choose friends. If you don't want to get yourself in trouble, make sure you don't pick friends who cause trouble. Be very careful who your friends are. Amen. Look, I, I was you, that killed y'all just dead. I lost you. Okay, and let me just go on to the next point. I can tell that one ain't working, so let's just go right on, all right? Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. That is somebody who pursues the lust of this world, not a loyal friend, having loved this present world, and is departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. And then he says this, Only Luke is with me. A loyal friend is somebody who's not afraid to stand with you during hard times. He said, only Luke is with me. We're going to learn that Paul is in prison. It's cold. Paul is somebody who felt abandoned by everybody else. He said, only Luke is here with me right now. A loyal friend is somebody who will stand with you during hard times. Look, I'll say this, but I think most of you are mature enough to know it. You have a lot of acquaintances in this world. You're only going to have a handful of friends. Be a loyal friend in order to have loyal friends. 
And when hard times come, they'll stand beside you. Amen? Amen. Again, I'll remind you that Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll stand with you. Jesus loves us that much. He knows that we have weaknesses. He knows that we make mistakes. He understands that we commit sin. He realized that although we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're filled by the power of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit. We know that. We're indwelled by the Spirit of God. We're loved by God the Father. He understands that we still live in the flesh. We make mistakes. We do things that are wrong. And Jesus will stand with us during hard times. I thank God for that, don't you? There's sometimes as a pastor that I feel all alone. I feel like things that go on in church, I can't tell my wife about it, it might discourage her. I feel like I can't tell my children, it might discourage them, make them not want to go to church. I feel like I can't tell a church member, they'll feel like I'm picking sides or wanting them to take sides or be a part of this argument or that argument or, or try to get some agenda accomplished. So sometimes the only person I have to talk to is the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm so thankful that He's a loyal friend and I can go to Him at any time and He stands with me during hard times. If you don't think ministry gives you hard times, then you just ask any one of these men of God that are here tonight. They'll tell you. Being a church member brings about hard times, doesn't it? Am I not wrong about this? Didn't Broadridge go through a, a split a handful of years ago? Maybe I'm wrong. Sometimes you need to know that Jesus Christ stands with you when nobody else will. A loyal friend. Thank God for loyal friends. The second thing that Paul says he's thankful for, he's thankful for the provisions of God. And, and I hope that this does something for you because it encourages me to know that no matter what God wants me to do in this world, he's going to take care of me. Listen to the needs that, that I believe the provisions that God has provided to this man, Paul. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. And the books, especially the parchments. There are three things in those verses that I want to bring out to you. First of all, he said, I believe that the provisions of God are important. He said, God knows how to minister to me emotionally. Now, he says, get Mark and bring him with you. Do you know who this Mark is? This is the same Mark that abandoned Paul earlier in his ministry. The same Mark that left Paul on the first missionary journey. And when he was going on his second missionary journey, just a little bit of Bible history, when he was going back on his second missionary journey, Barnabas said, let's bring Mark with us. And Paul said, hold on, there's no way that guy, John Mark, forsook me the first time. I'm not bringing him with me. If you want to bring him, Barnabas, then you bring him with you. Barnabas, his name is the encourager. So he said, that's right, I'll take John Mark, you take the other guy, and we'll go out and we'll minister as the Lord has called us to minister. And here we are at the end of Paul's life, and he says to Timothy, go and find that young man John Mark get Mark and bring him with you because he is useful to me for ministry apparently the Lord helped Paul forgive this man Mark and Mark was the type of personality that could encourage Paul in a time of need and God knew that the provisions of God he knows how to meet our emotional needs isn't that a good thing you know I picked on Kathy a lot this week and I don't mind picking on her she obviously doesn't mind me picking on her but she's one of a couple of people in this world that understands me. <laughs> Y'all didn't even laugh. <laughs> Most people don't get me. <laughs> and those who do get me get irritated by me. 25 years of marriage. She's never threatened to leave me. Didn't say she didn't want to. She never expressed it. She never said, I've got a seven-year itch and I'm bailing on you. You know, when I go home sometimes and I'm upset because I've lost a close church member to death, although I know I'll see him in glory. When I go home and I'm brokenhearted because I'm dealing with some young couple that's going through divorce, or if I have to bury an infant that was either stillborn or died right after death, 
Or if I have to handle uh, the, the, the death of a teenager because a brother accidentally shot him in the head, accidentally killed him, took his life, and I had to bury him. Or if I've gone home and I've said, you know, this is just tough. Uh, the church doesn't understand my heart's desire. They don't, they don't see that this is a biblical thing to do. And, and I really feel all alone. Every time I go home to my wife and I express those things, she's there. And God has provided her to minister to me emotionally. Now, sometimes she says, I don't understand it, baby, but I love you. Sometimes that's all I need to hear. Amen. Amen. God knows how to minister to our emotional needs. God knows who to send in our lives to take care of us. He knows how to help us during times of depression. He knows how to help us during good times. He knows how to help us celebrate the good times in this world. And he sends people to be a part of our life. We call them friends. We call them brothers or sisters, whoever you want to call them. It makes no difference. God knows exactly where we are. He understands. He sees the deepest need of our heart. And he doesn't want us to go through trials by ourselves. And he sends somebody to be with us. God's that good. Amen. Paul said, get Mark. Bring him with you. He helps me emotionally. Now, I like to think that Mark made him laugh. You know, I told you last night that Kathy said she fell in love with my blue eyes. Okay. But you know the other thing she said she fell in love with? The fact that I can make her laugh. I used to have to work at it. Now I got to do is take my shirt off. She starts giggling. <laughs> Uh, I used to have to know how to tell jokes. I even bought a, a preacher's calendar, uh, and it had jokes on every day, and I'd go home, and I'd just try them on, and she'd just. Now it's easy to make her laugh. <laughs> you know, I work out in my own garage. I do. This is the truth. I work out in my own garage, and sometimes I deliberately go in without my shirt off thinking I'm going to impress her. Man, she can't get out of the room quick enough. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> She's doing something. She's like, ain't no way I'm going to tell that guy how flabby he really is. <laughs> You know, I still make her laugh, and she still gives me comfort. I have other friends that do the same thing, not on the same level. The provisions of the Lord, He knows how to meet your emotional needs. Let me tell you tonight that if you haven't expressed your concern or your need to somebody else, the Lord knows. If you don't know how to express it, listen to me. The Lord knows, and He can help you through it. If you think other people are condemning you because of what you're going through, God knows what you're going through. And He wants to help you with your emotional needs. You think, well, this is church and I've had this happen or that happen in my life and, and maybe my marriage is falling apart or my children are angry with me or, or I've been diagnosed with some terminal disease and I'm afraid to tell anybody or I'm waiting for some bad diagnosis from the doctor and I don't know how to express it to anybody. I'm telling you right now that Jesus Christ knows and He can meet your emotional needs. He can give you strength and comfort in your greatest time of need. Just let Him do it. Just let Him do it. Give Him a chance. Be honest with Him. Paul also expressed the fact that in the provisions that God provided, that God can meet his physical needs. He says, if you would bring with you the cloak. That's just a jacket. Paul's in prison. I've described this prison to other people, and they think that I'm crazy. But if you know anything at all, if you've ever heard anything about the types of prisons that they had, uh, it, it's not uh, the type of prison we have today. Uh, I remember when they built the jail here in Robinson County, that there was a lighter in the wall. The inmates just had to push it to light their cigarette. I'm like, really? I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> they had their own weight room. They have a, an exercise field, an exercise yard. You know, they went all out. That's fine. If somebody's going to be incarcerated, there are certain things that I think it's okay to give them. That's all right. But that's not what Paul went through. Paul was placed in the bottom level of a jail, a dungeon. And when the dungeon got full of people, 
and they needed to cut back on inmates, they would allow the waste from the city to flow down on the bottom levels and kill everybody. And then they would let it drain back out and place more inmates in that prison cell. Didn't have central air and heat. Didn't have lighting. Even when Paul was under house arrest, he was still separated from people that he loved. But here, he is in the worst of places. And he says something very practical. Timothy, when you come, bring my jacket. I'm cold. Winter's coming. It's going to be harsh. I don't know how much longer I'm going to make it. And you know, that reminds me that God will meet our physical needs. doesn't matter what it is. When I went into the ministry, that was my fear, by the way. Royce Arnold Britt was nice enough to let me work with him at Pepsi. I love that job, by the way. I was going to tell this story the other day while Royce was here, but I'll tell it tonight. Uh, Royce did a lot to keep me humble. Uh, he made sure that I was paid well. He made sure that I had medical benefits. I really enjoyed that. I told him I was going into the ministry. He said, what are you going to do for work? I said, nothing right now. I mean, nothing right now. I'm just going to go to Fruitland. And, and Kathy started working four part-time jobs, you know. He said, you sure you want to leave this place? I said, well, it's not that I want to leave. It's just that God has called me. Let me tell you one of the stories that made it easier for me to leave. When I worked at Pepsi, they had a bottling room. Anybody ever work at Pepsi? Anybody ever heard about the bottling room? You know what I'm talking about? They had a bottling room at Pepsi. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm about to say, don't you? I was fresh out of the Army. I was a tough guy, right? I was wearing a white quality control shirt. I was wearing the blue pants, and I had the hat on, and believe me, I wore it like I was still in the military, you know. That thing was straight out, you know. Bill wasn't been a boom, you know. That was me. I, I even shined my shoes before I went to work. I was, I was somebody. I was quality control. I had the authority to walk out to a line, find a mistake, and stop production right away until they fix it. And I, it is going to my head. Roy said, Charles, come with me. I'm going to take you into the bottling room. I said, okay. Fine. I walked through and I got these, you know, goggles, safety goggles on. I got earplugs in and I got my hat on and everything else. About three steps into that bottling. Now, there's a lot of pressure that goes into putting uh, soda and, and carbon and everything, carbonation in a bottle. And some of these bottles aren't sound. They're not stable. They have uh, microscopic cracks. So as I walk in, they were filling bottles and one of them Boom! And I hit the ground and I was laying down. I was in syrup and in glass and everything else. And Royce just looked back and said, You gonna get up and come with me, son, or are you gonna stay down there? <laughs> Humble me right down. <laughs> Royce said when I went in ministry, he said, Man, you're you're giving up an awful lot, aren't you? I said, Yep. Yeah. He said, Where are you gonna work? I said, I don't have any work right now. I'm just gonna use the GI Bill and trust the Lord to take care of me. I never had a bill that went unpaid. When things got tight, my mother-in-law even bought my wife clothes. That's a humbling thing when you're newly married and you want to take care of your family. And you know your mother-in-law has to buy clothes for your wife. I had to swallow my pride. God will meet your physical needs. And Paul said, just bring that coat with you. I have a need. God says, don't worry about the things of this world. Don't pursue the things of this world. Seek me first in my righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. I'll give it to you. I'll take care of you. We've all been through trials. We all want a little more. We all wish we made a little more money. We all have uh, some problem that a little more money might help. But the Lord says, just trust him. And Paul said, I'm trusting the Lord to take care of me, even right now with this, this very practical need. Timothy, when you come, just bring the coat. And God 
provided for his physical needs. Also, God provided for his spiritual needs. Now, also bring with you the cloaks. That is the parchments. What is that? That's the word of God. Now, think about this. This is so encouraging to me. Here, Paul is in prison. He's going to die. He says that he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. He said, I want you to bring Mark. Maybe he can make me laugh. I want you, if you would, to bring the coat. It will keep me warm. And bring with you uh, the parchments or the books, the scrolls, the word of God. Paul is saying, before I die, I want to read just a little bit more about the God who has saved me. Before I take my last breath, before they behead me or whatever's going to happen, Paul said, I want to study a little bit more about the love of this God who has allowed me to go through this but still cares for me. Bring with you those parchments or those books. I want to read about the Lord. What a wonderful thing. What was he saying? My God knows how to meet my spiritual needs. Jesus knew we were lost when he came. He also knew the world would hate him when he came, and he still died for us. Amen? He met our greatest need because he loved us. And the last point of this message, it'll take just a little bit to go through it. He was thankful for the sovereignty of God. Now, I like the, the idea of the sovereignty of God. I like the idea of saying that God is completely in control, that God either causes or allows things to take place. And there's some people believe in what we call, when you study theology, we, we call it dualism. And, and I don't believe in this, but some people believe this, that God is up here fighting and the devil's up here fighting and they're warring against one another. And sometimes the devil wins. But what that means, if you follow that to its appointed conclusion, what that means is there are sometimes... That the devil's greater than God. And by definition, theologically, what that would mean is that there is no true one God. If sometimes God wins and sometimes the devil wins, then there must be two co-equal powers. That is absolutely wrong. I believe in the sovereign hand of God. He is absolutely in control. He is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He's all-knowing. This is the God. He, 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 he does all things for us. He cares for us. The devil cannot win unless God allows him to, to take us through trials, unless we don't yield to the Spirit of God, yield to the will of God, then we fail and we fall into the traps and the wiles of the devil. We fall into temptation and we commit sin. Now God either causes or allows all things to happen in this world. And Paul is going to express here that he's thankful for the sovereignty of God. Now rather than Paul complaining because he's in prison, listen to what he, he goes on to say. And I'm going to read this to you. He, he says several words about the trials that he's gone through. Bring the cloak that I left at Carpus, verse 13, at Troas when you come. And the books, especially the parts then he says in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Now, he's not saying that, that, that God caused it, but we believe by what Paul says next, that he understood that God was behind it. May the Lord repay him according to his works. God allowed that to happen. Let God take care of it. You also must beware of him. For he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against him. Listen to what he goes on to say about the sovereign hand of God. But the Lord stood with me. What, what did he just say? God knew about Alexander the coppersmith. God knew about the trial that I was going through. God understood that nobody else stood with me. And the sovereign hand of God stood with me even in times of persecution. My God did not forsake me. And there's some people that think as soon as something bad happens in their life that God has forgotten about them, that God doesn't care about them, that God doesn't love them anymore. Now there's sometimes we get ourselves into a mess and we blame God for everything. I said God either causes or allows all things to happen. And when we're disobedient to God, He lets us suffer consequences of disobedience. That's an absolute fact. That's true and there's no way around that. Paul is saying, I didn't do anything wrong. 
Alexander the coppersmith stood against me. He accused me of things that I didn't do. I went to trial. Nobody stood with me, but God stood with me. And the sovereign hand of God, he's saying, allowed this to happen, and God never left him during times of persecution. So when something bad happens in your life, when something bad happens in my life, rather than feeling sorry for ourselves, rather than complaining, what we need to do is sit back and say, okay, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I believe you do. If I did something wrong to get myself into this mess, I pray that you'll help me get out of this mess. If you'll forgive me, if you'll help me correct the error of my ways, help me make restitution, whatever it may be. But I believe you're sovereign and you're not going to leave me during this difficult time in my life. I have to come to the conclusion that God still loves me even when I'm suffering persecution. Even when the world stands against me. I have to believe in the sovereign will of God. I have to believe that God still cares about Charles Bruss. That he's still leading me to honor him and serve him regardless of what the world is doing against me or against you. Do you understand that? The sovereignty of God is such a relieving, comforting thing. It means that when everything goes wrong, we still say, my God knows exactly where I am and he's not going to leave me. He's going to stand right here beside me through all of this persecution. God's good, amen? amen. Look, I, I, I keep referring to pastors. There are three of them here that I know of. There may be more. There's four, including me. I don't consider myself a pastor or a man of God. But anyway, there's at least four, three others than myself. Ask them what it feels like to be persecuted. Ask them what it feels like to think that a congregation might not be with you. Ask them what it feels like to, to, to think that you're abandoned by people that might love you or care for you. The only thing that gives you strength is knowing that you're serving the Lord and His hand is sovereign and He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. And that is not just true for pastors. But we're to be an example to a congregation. And I'm telling you by my own experience as an example for everybody else here, that God's not going to leave you. That God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly the trials you're going through, and He's going to stand with you. And praise God for the simple truth that when you're too weak to stand, He's the one that's going to hold you up and bear the burdens for you. Amen? Amen? Thank God for that. Isn't that a sweet thought? I don't even know what all of you are going through. I don't. But I know some of you are desperate to tell somebody about what's happening in your life. I know some of you wish you had somebody to call. God knows what you're going through. He understands. Right now, young or old alike makes no difference. And the sovereign hand of God uh, taught Paul to be able to say, I know that my God stood with me when nobody else did. God's here for you. Probably a good time for an invitation, so I'll make this quick, and then we'll have an invitation, okay? Musicians, you might as well come on up, because I want you to be ready to allow people to pray. You just come on up. And now in a minute, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and pray. He said, the sovereignty of God, he stands with me in times of persecution, but he also strengthened me for his service. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood with me, and listen to this, and strengthened me. That is, he restored my strength. He gave me the ability to go on. And why did God do it? So that the message might be preached fully through me. That means when you go through trials, when you go through difficult times, if you're going to have a thankful heart like a godly man as Paul has, you're going to say, God, I know you brought me through this and you gave me strength. You helped me to heal. You helped me to recover. Why? So that the message might be preached fully through me. So that somebody can see Jesus through my trials. So somebody can see Jesus Christ and the power of God working through me. And be drawn to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And Paul goes on to say just as much. And that all Gentiles might hear. 
That is, let people see what I'm going through. And God, give me strength to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though I've gone through great trials, so that people who are outside of the Jewish faith, people that the world despises, at least the Jews despise them, let them see Jesus in me. Let them be willing to listen to the message of a Savior that can deliver anyone. Paul said, God is sovereign. He stood with me through trials, and He strengthened me for His service. You go through tough times so that it'll strengthen your testimony and you can share that with other people. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. Let me speak to young people for just a minute. You go to school and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You stand up for your faith and somebody persecutes you and you feel beat down and knocked down and hurt. When you recover from that and you still have faith in Jesus Christ, God brought you through that so you can continue to share the gospel with people who don't want to hear it but need it. Our God strengthens us to continue to serve Him. Amen? You might feel like you're out of the game. You might feel like God can't use you. The world might be telling you all of that, but that's garbage. That's hogwash. God can strengthen you for His service. And then lastly, He can deliver you for His glory. You ever wonder why you're saved? You can cheapen your salvation and believe that you're saved so that you can enjoy the good life. You can cheapen your salvation and say that you're saved so that you just won't have any more problems in life. That's not what Paul is saying here. You can, you can cheapen salvation and say that God saved you so that one day you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be with Him forever and, and you're going to sing with the angels and you're going to walk around a glassy sea and you're going to walk on a street of gold and, and you're going to be with loved ones forever. You can cheapen salvation and say that. That's a benefit, but that's not the purpose. Listen to what Paul says about the sovereignty of God. He said, he already stands with me in persecution. He strengthens me for his service. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 18. Well, verse 17. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Notice what he goes on to say. Please, pay attention to this. And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Then he closes with these words. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What did he just say? In all of God's sovereignty, God chose to save this man, Paul, who was fighting against Christianity, who was literally fighting against Jesus Christ. We're going to have an invitation in a minute. I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray. In all of the trials that he's going through, Paul said at the very close of this statement, 